I'd be like, um, how'd you get here? Um, sup, man. <laughs> Did you bring shampoo? <laughs> That's what I'm really looking for. You got granola bars? <laughs> yeah, I like to think I would, like, ask for granola bars before I would start drugging <laughs> people. But, you know. Yeah. Hello and welcome to our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. My favorite pop Funko is Sawyer or Locke. And my name is Brittany Ray, and I'm a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, BC. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And my favorite pop Funko is River Song from Doctor Who. And this episode, we have uh, our first returning guest. Sarah Yay! is back. Yay! Yay! I win! Do I get a prize other than being here? Sarah, please remind us who you are. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Sarah. I'm a 30-year-old writer and amateur pundit from San Jose, California. And I spend my days eating fancy cheese and plotting to overthrow the patriarchy. My favorite character Best bio ever. <laughs> My favorite characters are Hurley, Saeed, Kate, Miles, and also pretty much everybody. You can find me on Twitter at Oscar Miked, and I don't own any Funko Pops, so instead I'm going to drop in the fact here that one time I danced on the literal bar at Coyote Ugly. So You did not. I did. I fulfilled <gasps> that childhood dream. So, like, I don't have a Funko, but that's the coolest thing I've ever done, so... That's way cooler than owning Funkos. I'm going to be straight with you. I, I really hoped it would count as such, and that's why I dropped it. <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> Today we have words to say about episode 109 of Lost Solitary. Okay, so Solitary. Looking at the title, uh, Solitary Confinement is a type of torture and a kind of like way to get in your mind. Although that doesn't really happen, like Nadia is in her solitary confinement, but Saeed has also gone off on his own by himself, and also Russo has literally been alone for like 16 years. The broadcast date was November 17th, 2004. It was written by David Fury and directed by Grit. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. <laughs> I feel like it's Yatanis. Yatanis. Okay. Greg Yatanis. Yatanis? Sure. I'm gonna let sure, you guys guess, so I'm just the quiet one who didn't say it wrong. Okay, imagine sure. you being the quiet one. I know, right? It's pretty fantastic. Now I'm going to do a recap, and I'll try and do it in one minute, and we'll see how it goes. Have fun. Our survivors are all having a really hard time on everyone's favorite island. Things are very stressful, and people don't know what to do. Hurley decides to create a golf course to distract from all of the perils of Magic Island. Charlie takes it really, really seriously. Hurley also brings Jack and Michael into the mix, but Michael's having so much fun that he totally forgets to parent. Eventually, the island open is a huge event that even Sawyer participates in. Meanwhile, Saeed gets trapped and tortured by Danielle Rousseau, the French woman who made the signal from the pilot. She's looking for her child, Alex, but Saeed isn't one of the people who took them, so he can't answer the questions. Eventually, she softens up to him because he's Saeed, and once he fixes her music box, she realizes exactly how much she'd like him to stay with her. He escapes and is able to leave after a standoff. In the past, we see Saeed as a soldier. He is forced to interrogate Nadia, the woman he loves whom he knew from childhood. Once he's been given the order to execute her, he finds a way to set her free, shooting himself in the process. Saeed doesn't always do the right thing, but when he does, it's always self-detrimental. <laughs> that about sums it up. And also, like, even just listening to, like, the episode recap just makes me go, oh, Saeed, <laughs> my heart. 
We're gonna start with all the stuff that happens in the cave slash the golf course. First of all, Jack is pulling off Sawyer's bandage. And Sawyer's like, why are you helping me? Is it because you feel guilty? And he's like, well, no one else wants to help you. And he's like, well, I have somebody who probably does. Like, they're children. They're children. They're like little boys fighting over, like, no, it's my toy. No, no, it's mine. It's it's so performative masculinity. (laughs) Like, Like, I just think Sawyer's sitting there being like, okay, but how can I make you dislike me again? How can I really get an elbow in there? It's legit like when you have a dog and then you get a new dog <laughs> and the, the the dogs meet and like they're really standoffish but you can tell they kind of secretly want to be friends. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That that's that's Jack and Sawyer to me. He's like, "Well, Kate wants to hang out with me." And Jack's like, "Well, <laughs> I think then." I think there's an aspect here too where when Sawyer is needling Jack None of it is really hitting its target. Like, Jack is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jack claps back about how nobody likes Sawyer. And Sawyer actually wants to be liked, so that hurts. So he immediately kind of casts around for, like, what can I say that might actually legit annoy him? Because he's set me off my course. I was supposed to be being the bad guy here, and now I feel bad about myself. Yeah. Sawyer's the YouTube commenter, but Jack's the guy on Twitter who will roast you right into the earth. Pretty much. <laughs> Kate says that it's been two days since Saeed left, and the reason why he left is because he felt guilty about what uh, had happened in the last episode. Um, but Jack's like, he's fine, he's a soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Jack! That plot will resolve itself. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't person so good. Like... <laughs> Just his interpersonal interactions, I want to be like, dude, maybe just like a spoonful of sugar with that medicine, sweetheart. Just like, (laughs) not even a spoonful if you can't manage it. Just a couple grains, couple grains. It's so confusing because like at times you can see like Jack actually has like his own kind of like awkward charm and like sort of like half a like bit of bedside manner. But then moments like this happen and you're like, Dude, you you would make even a terrible robot. <laughs> Hello, Robin from the future here. Um, Brittany said terrible robot when she should have said bad robot, and that is a pun that I am ashamed that I didn't make. Thank you. Yeah, I have to say, having dealt with a lot of surgeons with my health stuff, uh, this is yeah. actually pretty accurate. Because, <laughs> I, no, really, most of the surgeons I have met are... Very cool. smart, very yeah. competent people who I would absolutely count on in a disaster situation, but also complete jerks who have no idea yeah. to talk to people like people. And I yep. think there's an aspect when you spend all this time in school looking at, at people as like body parts and things to fix, you you kind of miss out on the part where they're human people and you should speak to them as such instead of, you know, just kind of rolling your eyes and saying, well, this is what needs to be done. Don't bother me with your with your extra extraneous detail. Honestly, like, it's so true, though. Like, psychiatrists are the same way. They're interested in, like, what the drugs are doing to your brain. They're not so much interested in, like, you as a person. No, it's true. It's That's, definitely... Yeah. It, it happens. That's what the psychologists are for. <laughs> and speaking of Jack helping people, we have a character named Sullivan. <laughs> 
Now, this is the only episode that Sullivan is ever in, but, like, I just remember him with fondness every time I think of him. Rash because, of guy. course, you do. I, I don't know why. I'm on his Lostpedia page right now thinking, oh, that guy must be in multiple episodes, but this is his only episode. But, you know, Jack's trying to, like, comfort him and be like, it's a buddy. Just go do something that's not talking to me, please. <laughs> it okay. Don't be crying. <laughs> Son's like trying to help, and he's just like, what's that? What's going on? And I'm like, I get it. This is actually, this is me too. I, I'm like, Hurley, Shannon, Sawyer, and Sullivan. <laughs> I have That's to me. wonder, like, I know it's a TV show, but part of me is like, these people should all have massive, massive athlete's foot, like... They should be oh having, God. like, mm. their clothes should smell like rot at, at a certain point. Like, when you, people who go on Survivor, their clothing will fall apart because it's humid and you're dirty and you're in the water. Like, so uh, my one complaint is why aren't there more rashes in Lost? Like, I'm here for this good <laughs> rash content. Yeah. <laughs> Where's all the sand flea bites? Right, right. Where's all the unimportant medical complaints that really are less interesting than polar bears? Why isn't this a show <laughs> about people who are mad about their rotting areas? Oh so my the god. Thing, <laughs> the thing we've learned is that Sarah would suck at putting together reality shows. <laughs> <laughs> I have concerns ever. about the realism of this lack of rashes, okay? <laughs> I don't care about rashes, I swear, internet. Don't don't ask them about rashes. I'm just kidding. No, you're not. That's the worst part. <laughs> uh, I am I am at least 70% kidding. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, we have Shannon complaining in the background, and fun fact, mood, uh, this was part of a deleted scene. She's being like, oh my god, get him out of there, is I think what she's saying, and it was a deleted mm-hmm. scene where Vincent was, like, playing in the water that they drink, and she was like, hard no, and then that's what made Michael make the thing where it's like, here's our shower water, here's our drinking water. Oh, that's cool. I just figured yeah, that they is, were trying to make stuff. Yeah. yeah. I like I mean, that there's a little bit being. of a background story. It's a... I don't know if either of you guys watch Community, but there's an episode... I knew it! ...where Abed just literally has a whole story in the background, and none of it happens in the <laughs> foreground, so unless you're paying attention... I just like to imagine that there are, like, a million Abed stories playing out in the background <laughs> of Lost. And Shannon has a comment on every single one of them. Jack has told Sullivan, just try and keep your mind off it. And Hurley's like, literally how? There's nothing else for us to do, and everyone needs a distraction. Hmm, I wonder what he's thinking. And Jack's like, I think surviving is enough of an activity. And Jack's like, listen, I have to take care of their bodies. Their brains are up to someone else. It, that's a group activity, okay? It's like, be- it's like camping. He's like, things could be worse, Hurley. And Hurley's like, mm, okay. Things could be worse. Oh! I like that Hurley, like, at this point, who is, you know, still kind of dealing with a certain certain amount of, like, paralyzing self-doubt and guilt, is able to, at this point, it's so obvious that people who are in terrible, stressful situations need stress relief. Yeah. Even he is, like, 
kind of explaining this to Jack like he's a child. <laughs> I like that this is so obvious that even Hurley is like, dude, come on. I, I have to explain to you why this is what we need to do with people. Especially because Hurley is pretty easily cowed. <laughs> exactly! Again, with the Jack not being good at people part. It's just kind of sad, but, like, Hurley's always the heart, right? Yeah, like, no, Jack's he dead, Hurley's is. the heart. Yeah. I love uh, Hurley. Who's ready for our first look at our buddy Ethan Rom? I oh my god, me. very ready. This is Ethan, for everyone who's watching. Um, <laughs> a, like, along for the first time, this is Ethan. He's important. Please He's remember him. Fun great. fact, the guy who plays him is Tom Cruise's cousin. Oh my god. What? Oh That's my cool. god, I can see it. <laughs> I can totally see it. Oh wow, I never would have pulled that out of thin air, but now that you've said that, I'm never going to unsee it. Thank you. Like, if someone said, picture Tom Cruise's cousin, that's what I would picture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, you've just, like, broken my brain a little. Someone else talk. I need to process this Tom Cruise's cousin. Okay, okay. They're basically, like, out hunting at night, Ethan and Locke, and he's like, they're probably tired of boar. Um, And Hurley's like, okay, well, I'll look through this bag that you just dropped on me, and he finds this Hawaiian shirt, which do you think is kind of a nod to where they film, question mark? I think it uh, has big to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Walt is awake and wants to go hang out with Locke, and Michael's like, mm, hard no <laughs> on that one. Then Hurley finds some more stuff, and he's like, all right, sweet, I got a plan. I love that like, moment. I've got, I've got the stuff. His grin there is fantastic. I love the moment where Jack's like, Hurley, sup? And he's like, ha you just wait. Secret plans. The next time we see them, Michael is sketching the thing that we know what it is now, but we didn't at the time. Walt's really bored, and he's like, can I go to the beach? And Michael's like, bro, I need you to find some other stuff to do. Like, can you entertain yourself, please? Because I'm a little busy. Now, I have some thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, find, I find Michael, sometimes I'm like, Michael's an okay dude. But most of the time, I'm like, Michael's kind of annoying. And this is one of the episodes where I do kind of find Michael annoying because he's like, Walt, I'm busy. I can't, I can't hang out with you right now. Can you go entertain yourself? And then when Hurley shows up and says, I've made a golf course to entertain ourselves. Michael's like, a waste of time? <laughs> what are you doing? And then ends up playing with it. And then when Walt comes up and goes, hey, uh, uh, what's up? Why are you ignoring me? He's like, oh, we're, we're playing games. I think it just beautifully demonstrates like, Michael's inexperience of being a parent. I, yeah, I was about to say, yeah. if I had to pitch, I mean, it definitely is, like, it is irritating, but I feel like it's entirely realistic, especially mm-hmm. because despite the narrative that, like, you have a baby and you just wake up and you're like, I know how to parent. I'm a parent now. <laughs> it's a process, and, like, when you have children, you need to let go of your needs and make their needs paramount. And he's not only not been a parent, as far as we can tell, he's been alone for a while. So he's not only not used to parenting, he's not used to having to give, you know, a good gosh darn about everything that's happening to the people around him if it conflicts with what he wants to do. And I think that that's also shown really well uh, at the end of that sort of storyline when Walt comes up and he says, do you want to play? And Walt says, no, other people are waiting. 
And Michael goes, oh, they won't mind. And they say, Michael, it's your turn. And instead of Michael being like, well, why don't you take my turn? Well, it's like, Michael's like, right? oh, oh, uh, BRB, okay? Give uh, yeah, the kid I'll talk your later. turn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, jeez, come on. I mean, like, M- Michael didn't get the opportunity to, to learn any of these things, mm-hmm. right? So I find it, you know, part part of it is that Michael is, you know, a little bit of a selfish person. And you you, you can see that through the show but part of it is that he never got to do these things because the option of being a parent was taken away from him in the first place so i find it kind of hard to blame him for it oh no i agree and like i feel i feel the irritation but at the same time it's like crap this guy never got the chance to even learn and Mm -hmm. i i think there's a certain level of and maybe this is me reading into the text and the performance but it feels like there's a certain level of like subconscious resentment in Michael because he not wanting to be a parent was never the issue for him. He didn't yeah. actively choose to not be a part of Walt's life. And, you know, right. it becomes this thing where he knows he's not an adequate parent and he feels guilty and bad about it. Mm-hmm. But then he also is pissed off because he does, I mean, anyone with eyes can see that he didn't get a chance to become a parent so I think it's that almost like teenager-esque knee-jerk of like it's not fair that I didn't get to learn to do this thing so get off my back I'm trying and kind of pulling away from an honest assessment and trying harder because defensiveness and a certain level of like warranted like screw you, this wasn't even what I wanted on any level, mm-hmm. ends up kind of... I like that when people are irritating on Lost, other than a few select problems I have with turning Kate into, like, love triangle lady or person who's going to make a moral judgment just because, I feel yeah. like when people are annoying or act in ways that I find irritating... It makes sense for the character and who they are on their course of development as a person. And I always end up understanding them, even if I'm still like, oh, this behavior is driving me up the wall. That's good yeah. right. And what's nice is like the narrative, like it doesn't feel like it's reaching to come to those conclusions. Agreed. It feels like the narrative is really trying to get you there. Agreed. Like you don't have to make excuses for the plot. The show is saying, yeah, look how much Michael's life has sucked. Look how frustrated he is with Walt. Here's all the reasons why. So if you're irritated with him, even though that's totally valid, there's a reason for it. Yeah, I was going to say it's a shout out to what I said last time. It's kind of a thing of we're all a combination of all the selves we've ever been. And he says to Jack, in a previous life, I was an artist. Yeah. So he's combining what he learned in construction with what he did as an artist and he's also the Michael who wanted to be Walt's parent and the Michael who doesn't know if he can be Walt's parent and the Michael who's I think a little bit pissed off that his life was completely interrupted by this and not on a level of like it's a natural human emotion where when something Mm -hmm. bad happens that you didn't ask for, there's an emotional response of like, no, 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 this isn't my fault. Why why is this happening to me? I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. This is a good transition to a question that I actually had about Michael, Mm -hmm. is that he's drawing up these plans for the caves and everything, but like, was Michael not Team Beach? I thought he was too. I guess he's... 
Oh, yeah, because he wanted to keep Walt close to yeah. the water in case someone flew by, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, maybe he's just trying to help him out. I think also maybe there's a certain level of gentle progression towards people. You adjust to circumstances, like... Either it, it's kind of a sink or a swim thing. They are here. Yeah. And I think the characters mm-hmm. have all accepted that for the moment, at least, they're stuck on this island that being on the beach isn't necessarily going to help them. So I think it's kind of a natural, gentle progression to, okay, where I am is where I am. How do I make the best of what I have now in a way that ties in with Hurley? So actually, I I like that Michael was Team Beach and has now kind of migrated to Team Cave because that's what's Mm -hmm. happening. And okay, fine. Another interesting thing that you sort of brought up, Sarah, was um, the fact that he says that he was an artist Mm -hmm. in a previous life. And not usually in this show do they talk about reincarnation really, really um, openly. Yeah. But two times in this episode alone does he say in another life, as well as the inscription on Saeed's picture is if I don't, or if I don't see you in this life, maybe in the next or whatever she says. Um, Another thing is see in another life, brother, which is a thing uh, later in the series as well. I was going to say it, and then I was like, no, save it for the spoiler (laughs) section. Yeah, I have Um, some stuff to say about this in the spoiler section, and I'm just not going to open my mouth because I'm afraid I'll go too far here. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But either way, Charlie's just like, hey, guys, Hurley um, has something to show us, so let's, let's go do that. And they're like, okay, sounds good. There's this beautiful wide shot. Like, the beautiful wide shots in this episode are wonderful. Ugh, yeah. um, there's a fun fact is that uh, Jorge has said that some of the uh, golf course scenes in this episode were improvised. So okay. That's cute. Um, um, that sounds about right. Like, I have a fun fact for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I never have a fun fact, but I have one. Nice. All right. Is like, I'm like 90% sure that this is the same field that they shot the like big stampede in yes it is with the log yeah you're correct that's cool unless we're like i saw that and i was like dinosaurs (laughs) (laughs) side note on that does anybody else feel like the kind of t-rexian monster sound has to be a jurassic park shout out it totally oh, is. It's gotta be, yeah. Like, it just, it sounds so much like the yeah, T-Rex. Yeah, it's like, not even. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's a comforting sound. I was convinced <laughs> that this was, like, Dinosaur Island at first, just because I was like, that is a T-Rex noise. Jurassic Park is a documentary, and it taught me what T-Rexes <laughs> sound like. I know what T-Rexes sound like. That's exactly what I thought Lost was in the beginning. Okay, I was like, good. oh my god, is it an island full of dinosaurs? You and me, man. We're on the same, wa- same wavelength. <laughs> They're like, hello, welcome to the first and last uh, island open. There are two holes. It's par three, and you don't have to wait for anybody, so that's cool. Hurley's like, our lives suck right now. We're running from a bunch of stuff all the time, and that's stupid. <laughs> so let's... Let's play a game. I mean, is he wrong? He's not wrong. And I love the part where he goes, polar bears. <laughs> and and Michael just didn't know. Like, like, like I was bringing up with, I think, in the moth. Or maybe could have been the 
Well, I think it was House of the Rising Sun, actually, when um, Locke didn't know about Rousseau's stress, or distress signal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's perfectly plausible for Michael to just not know about the polar bears. But also, I think, how does Hurley know about the polar bears? And how, how does Jack Well, know Hurley's the, the island gossip. What I was yeah, going to say true. is, I like that they Kate. kind of accurately portray the flow of gossip, because Hurley is all up in literally everybody's business. Yeah. yeah. And Charlie hangs out with Hurley so much that I have to assume that if Hurley heard about a polar bear... It was almost Char- certainly from Charlie. And then, it you know, it ends up... Someone like Michael isn't really sitting around, you know, talking with people about, right. you know, island gossip girl. So I like yeah, that he's he more isolated. missed that. Well, Michael was really preoccupied with, like, not getting murdered <laughs> by Jin for a lot of years. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he, so was, far, yeah so. he was busy walking up to women and trying to hand them their own bras. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. He had a lot to do. Busy guy, busy guy. I was going to say about the, the golf course, something just... Because apparently this seems to be personal experiences with Sarah whenever I come on this <laughs> podcast. Um... <laughs> I, I was in a treatment center in Utah for two years when I was a teenager. I have an article and a podcast on Cracked where I guested. Shout out to my own content if anyone else wants to go look. But you should go look. It's wild. I ha- it, the staff there was abusive and it was a really, really bad experience. And suffice to say, it was basically, <laughs> it was kind of run like Scientology in terms of how they treated us and how we treated each other and telling on each other. So when you're in a situation where you're, everything is stressful and you just don't have moments to breathe, your brain kind of adjusts to moving at that high octane pace and finds ways to let off steam. The golf course plot really, I mean, this is one of my favorite things Lost has ever done. Because that it's so true to life. When you're in situations like that, you have to find weird, you know, ad hoc ways to make your own fun because the human brain just can't do it. Like, you can't take a certain amount of pressure without just snapping. And I really like that they had everybody end up coming together even the people who seem like they might kind of scorn this sort of effort as soon as they're provided that release valve and someone else gives them something they can do i really like the way that it accurately portrays how stuff like that does bring people together like when you're stressed Mm -hmm. out you create weird little games and you you know you end up creating a a closed community and I think especially as someone who lived in a closed community that was very stressful I find Lost incredibly accurate when it comes to the like weird codependent way you kind of become a club slash family with your own little rituals and you know let off steam together even when five minutes ago you wanted to tear each other's heads off it's it's a really good thing 
Well done, Lost. Yeah, we have this really, really great storytelling moment. Like, it's probably, I, I say this every episode, I'm just like, oh, this is one of my favorite <laughs> moments in the entire series. I say that every yeah. single time, but it's true, is when we've got these close-ups of Michael and Jack, and they're like, oh, man, dude, this sucks. Yes. I don't know what we're going to do. This is awful. And then it's just about golf. <laughs> like, they finally took a break, and now they're just playing. And we have this iconic shot of Hurley and Charlie just, like, dancing with yes! golf clubs. It's such a breath of fresh air when everything is so dramatic. Which is, like, I honestly feel like modern storytelling is missing that. I agree. Yeah. Hard agree. Like, moder- the more the world gets more dystopian, the harder television is leaning into the relentless, stressful storytelling mm-hmm. to the point where, like, audiences get exhausted and they just... they they tune out like they disconnect from the shows so this moment in lost even like this many episodes into the first season they knew even then that they had to give this to the audience or the audience was going to get burned out which Mm -hmm. was the brilliance of lost and why it lasted for so long was every once in a while the audience and the characters get a break agreed and then we have our buddy sullivan coming back and it's just our our good buddy best friend sullivan beautiful moment he's like are you guys playing golf Jack's like, um, yeah. He's like, can I play? (laughs) I love that. And it's like, even Sullivan gets a break. Even guy who can't stop worrying about his own problems gets a break. Take yourself, I'm Sullivan. And it, I mean, it, it proves what Hurley said. It's like, if you don't give people something to do in situations like that, they freak out. And I, it, it's like I said, it's kind of like the ducklings. Hurley gave them... I, I like that, you know, it, his first question, he sounds almost a little, like, you know, aggressive. Like, are you playing yeah, golf? Yeah, how dare you? And then immediately downshifts into, oh, I want to play golf. Golf sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> a game? Wow. No, exactly. What are you guys doing? Uh, are you playing golf? Yeah. Can I play? And it's, like, their one outlet, so anyone who, like, would have hated golf is, like, I'm gonna play golf, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna like mm-hmm. it. This is my only option, I must. Um, Shannon is sunbathing. That's a sport. <laughs> yes. That's, you know, just See, as, just as, Shannon uh, knows how to do the survival thing. She <laughs> takes lots of breaks and hydrates and gets her vitamin C and D. Exactly. Boone's like, dude, you'll never guess. Hurley made a golf course. It's bomb let's go play and kate's like um i don't even believe you right now he's like okay well i mean i'm gonna go play anyway and they're like okay shannon's gonna go too and here's the part where it's like sawyer's like oh that's stupid and kate's like listen i know that you want to go so like just go if you want to he wants he's like no i don't have to be the cool guy he wants whatever so bad like i love that little like in in a different actor's hands, I do not believe I would like Sawyer very much because he, yeah, particularly early on, kind of embodies a lot of the tropes I I do not enjoy in TV writing, yeah. particularly about men. But like that little boy look when he admit, like when he tells Kate, well, they don't really like me. And then he does like this mm-hmm. sad little head duck and looks up at her and kind of smiles. And 
You can yeah. see in his face that he wants them to like him. He's just, <laughs> he's being a jerk because he doesn't know how to be anything else. And it, it keeps Sawyer on the right side of likable, even when he's yep, saying yep. terrible things. You feel like he's a decent dude. I think that's why Lost has so many legendary characters, because you get the they had all the right actors Agreed. do this. Agreed. Yes, absolutely. And also you think about about Sawyer and you're like the dude yeah, he's on the he's on the right side of likable. It's because you can tell that he doesn't like all these terrible things he's saying, he's saying them because he doesn't want people to like him. Like perhaps he doesn't even feel that way about some of the things that he says. Oh yeah, he's he uses being offensive or just abrasive as kind of a shield against the rest of the world. And it's, mm-hmm. he he's a little bit, oh, he's a little bit, I don't know if either of you guys watch Buffy, but he's kind of like Faith from Buffy, where her whole thing is mm-hmm. like, I'm a badass and I don't need nobody. Please love me. Please love me. I have self-esteem <laughs> issues. Please love me. I need love. So that's, it's a lot of the same archetype. Well, it's like Sawyer and Jack really kind of share that archetype. Oh, yeah. Sawyer gets away with it a lot more than Jack does, mm-hmm. I think, just because Josh Holloway is so damn yeah. charming. I, yeah, he's so pretty. He's so pretty. And there's also, I think, it's it's weird because I, my feelings on Jack are, are complicated a little by the real life actor stuff where there's a little bit of transference. Yeah. Watching, I will say that watching this back now, I am surprised at how often I like Jack and how often Same. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm down with this. I kind of can get behind yeah. this. So I, yeah, I yeah Jack that. is likable in this episode. And no, it's it's Jack funny. Is, yeah. He does well. He's a serviceable character. Like, you look at Jack and you're like, I don't love you, but I don't hate yeah. you. And I don't remember why I hated you so much. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's definitely, I think, re-watching when you have seen the later stuff and that's what's fresher in your mind uh, re-emphasizes to me the strength of the writing, particularly in the early parts. Like... Yeah. Because a character that, that I have, you know, the emotional baggage with, I'm like, nah, nah, I like him. Okay. All right. I can rock yeah. with him for now. <laughs> yep. Kate's basically like, well, why don't you try and make friends, Sawyer? And he's like, okay, well, pff, maybe I will. <laughs> then. <laughs> Whatever. He doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> so when they all show up and there's loads and loads of people there, Kate's like, is there a ladies team? I'm like, girl, you play on the male team. Who cares? <laughs> Go for it. Kate's not great with the icebreakers. She and Sawyer are the same level of terrible at making friends. She's like, I didn't even recognize you with, you know, the smile on your face. And he's like, whoops. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) And he's like, this is all Hurley. Hurley gets all of the, all of the credit for this. I've been losing sleep over trying to make everybody feel safe. And then Hurley shows up and says, let me put a Hawaiian shirt on a stick. Here you go. <laughs> All is well now. Um, Hurley's that kid who doesn't study and aces the test. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Hurley's trying to go. He's got, like, a bad swing going on. And he's like, let me do it again. And Charlie's, like, just taking it really, really seriously, trying to, like, help him. And he's like, don't touch me. They're so bad at this. And then we kind of talked about Walt, so I'm going to skip over all this Walt stuff. Whoa! <laughs> Some... <laughs> Someone had to do it. No one had done it yet. Spoilers. My God. I know. That one word, man. (laughs) 
Walt! So then we have Charlie, who's Walt! like, I've never made par before. I'm really excited about this. Doesn't do well. And then they're like, all right, well, maybe Jack can do it. Good luck, Jack. And her, Charlie's like, yeah, good luck, Jack. <laughs> I'm Charlie. <laughs> Then they start they start gambling. So Hurley's going to bet five dollars that Jack will win. Basically, is what's happening. Then Boone makes it so that it's ten dollars, but he's going against Jack. I'm trying to make sense of this. <laughs> and then Sullivan bets his dinner on Jack, and then Sawyer bets two sunscreens and a flashlight against Jack, and then Boone. All like goes for Jack, but he just did it against Jack, and so Shannon's like, "You are an idiot." No, he. See, this is my thing where I'm like, as much as I like Shannon, and usually I roll my eyes at Boone. That's actually just being a smart better. Like if you have, yeah, I guess that's true. If you have the funds, he you, wins either way. Like, you don't put all your money on one pony. You put your money yep. on a few different horses, and you hope you recoup most of it. <laughs> but it's also kind of a sad moment because Sawyer's like, Hello, here I am making an effort. Here I am trying to make some friends. And then it's just kind of like, Okay, I guess I'll leave. I tried. And Kate's like, I see your effort making. I reach out to you. I love And then that. we have freaking Boone Carlisle, who's just like, Oh, do we like him now? <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm part of this. I'm part of this. Uh, yes, uh, yes. We are friends now. Hello. Uh, <laughs> because it's so Boone. I was like, wait, no, I didn't want that one. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I only wanted Kate. Go away. Oh, Boone. Buddy. I like um, that Sawyer just expected everyone to embrace him the moment he showed up. It's like, Sawyer, you've spent the entire time that everyone's been on the island trying to make them all hate you. Yeah. It's just, what, what goes on in that <laughs> handsome head? <laughs> Oh, bless his heart. Um, but the thing is that we don't actually see the outcome, so we don't know who actually wins. What do you guys think about that? In an uncharacteristic like move, I'm going to say Jack wins. Jack absolutely yeah. wins. Like, Yeah, I think he definitely won, too. I but. think he won. Because as a doctor, you know his dad dragged him out oh, to, yeah. to golf stuff. Like, I know this feel because my grandpa loved golf, so I was dragged <laughs> to golf stuff, and we were made to golf. So, like... You may not like it, but you could be good at it because you were forced to be good at it. And <laughs> yeah, so he, I think Jack he feels like sure. a dude who golfs. Yeah. We see Locke doing his knife throwing, and then Walt shows up, Casual. and he wants to learn. And Locke's like, oh, that sounds fine. Here you go. And Walt's like, oh, cool. That. I'm like, this is not a good move. On Walt's, I mean, on Locke's part Locke, at this point. I really don't think so. God love him. Like, I love him, and I... I think he's a wonderful friend for Walt, but I totally understand why, like, beyond any weird parental jealousy Michael has where he doesn't really like it when Walt hangs out with other dudes that he feels might take on a sort of fatherly aspect, I totally understand why he doesn't want Walt hanging around Knife Man. Like... Doctor McStabby is is not your son's best playmate. Ooh, I ha- I just had a thought. Yes. Oh my god, that think- never happens. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Do you think that Walt was like, 
my dad has hurt my feelings. Now I'm going to go hurt dad's feelings by hanging out with Locke. I For think sure. probably there's a piece of it in that, too. I think some of it is... I don't know if Walt knew that's what he No, I think it's subconscious there in the same way that Michael's yeah. sort of resentment is subconscious. I also think... Yeah. Like, Walt is, like, one of those very smart kids who cannot stand it when adults treat them like a kid. And for all Locke should probably not hand him knives, no one else (laughs) is giving Walt the credit that, honestly, Walt's smart and he's quite obviously special. So people really should at least give him the credit of that and not just be like, yeah, 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 kid, go, you know, read a comic book. (laughs) Go do the, Mm -hmm. just go away. You're not part of our larger adult plot of mystery. So I have to say, like, I I do think there's definitely a piece of, like, my dad made me mad. Well, I'm immediately going to go do the thing that my dad told me not to do. (laughs) But also... As any logical kid Exactly. But also I think Locke... Locke is the only one there who's treating him at least a certain amount of of maybe not enough condescension, (laughs) but not too much condescension. It's just like, at what point did Locke look down at, like, this small kid and go, teach it to use knives? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, my dad's busy, so I can finally disobey him. Please teach me how to throw knives. And I'm like, Locke... Like, also, Locke knows that Michael doesn't want him to hang out with him. And so, honestly, I feel like Locke should probably respect that. Oh, yeah, he should. And I think think for Locke, some of it is... I mean, he has this deep well of of need inside him. A need for respect. Mm -hmm. A need to be Mm -hmm. important. A need to be needed. And Walt is like, hi, I like you better than my actual dad. Teach me knife things. You're important. Like, Walt is essentially dreamed up out of John Locke's greatest fantasies of people who could (laughs) idolize him and and think he's important and want to learn what he knows. After dealing with Randy, I can't even blame Locke for being like, this child here, he idolizes me. I'm going to hang out with the kid. I picked this one. Yeah, it's mine now. I adopted it. Um, any final thoughts before we move on to Saeed? No, I think I think we're good. Perfect. I'm. I just want to say that I find it hilarious that we probably have more thoughts about Michael and Walt than we do about Saeed. <laughs> I. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I have the thoughts pro- about Rousseau. Dynamics are just like so I have a lot of yeah. thoughts about Rousseau. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to Saeed and Rousseau then. So Saeed is sitting alone with his picture of Nadia. This is one of my favorite things: is getting to rewatch and notice new things. So the thing that I noticed this episode was that Nadia is wearing a hijab in both pictures that he has of her, and I noticed that in the flashbacks when we see her, they have taken that off of her. So that kind of sim- it feels like it symbolizes like them taking away her her choice, you know? Yeah, and is I I could be wrong here but as far as i know that is a tactic used by (laughs) my country's military as well because if you have certain religious beliefs uh, taking them away from you or forcing you to disrespect them is in and of itself a demoralizing act 
Right. So it's it's another sort of I, I'm sort of interested in the play of like dehumanization versus personal connection in this episode. And right. uh, oh, uh, I I I'll make the disclaimer now. So I I suppose since I'm talking about it. Sure. We're all white ladies, and this is not any of our areas of expertise, so if at any point we misspeak or we mess something up or we're offensive, please let any of us know. Let us know. Please, me personally, if I'm the one who does it, don't, you know, you can let the aficionados know as well, but I, I would like to know when I screw up, so... Yeah, we would like to use this as a learning opportunity. Yes. So you can tweet us about it, or you can also feel free to email us at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. We would love to address anything that we've said that you disagree with or uh, offended you uh, in the next episode. And you could always do that about anything, not even just this sort of stuff. Exactly. Yes, agreed. And we're going to be very respectful about talking around things that we are not educated on. Yeah, it's, I, I think... Like I was saying, the the intersection of dehumanization of of groups and interpersonal connection, and I think it's the way it they they present the Republican Guard and the Shia versus Sunni violence is, as far as I know, fairly fairly accurate. I I do want to say that unfortunately, when you only have one Iraqi character. And that Iraqi character is like a Westerner's fantasy of what everyone in Iraq is like. While it may not be inaccurate on some levels, while I have to give them a lot of credit for even putting an Iraqi character on TV in the early 2000s and not making them, you know, a terrorist on 24, that was definitely good. But unfortunately, since he's the only main character who's Iraqi, and we only really get glimpses in the background, something like his uh, supervisor Omar being almost cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I, I cringe. And while I appreciate the themes here of Omar forcing Saeed to, to look at this as if they are battling an enemy, a bad enemy, and there's no nuance, there are no people, there are just faceless enemies to defeat. I I do think, unfortunately, it suffers from looking like an episode of 24, which is the only way I can put it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say on that specific angle. And that's also like a great reflection of like, American society post 9-11 too mm-hmm. is just there's the good guys and the bad guys yeah. and that's the black and white rhetoric that like many of us who you know those were our formative years grew up sort of watching completely bewildered by so it's a great example of how a lot of us like and it's a great example of how like millennials have been shaped to see like black and white things versus you know shades of gray which is where a lot of like current call out culture comes from Agreed, yeah. So, in that instance, it's a great example of, like, how we are and how we got here today, but as a storytelling technique, it's so clumsy. Yeah, it's, it's, I I think it's clear someone on staff tried to do some research, because I did some basic Googling, and, for example, 
Omar is a Sunni name, which would be accurate for the Republican Guard. So, you know, there seems to at least be the kind of Googling that I can check out where it's, you know, an, an attempt made to be respectful. But I do think there's some value in pointing out that at the end of the day, they kind of present Saeed as the only member of the Republican Guard with like a conscience and yeah. or any humanity, any humanity yeah. or any sort of any sort of uh, qualms with with what di- like we can't. It is true that the Republican Guard tortured people, so it's you know it, it straddles that line where it's like I I get what you're going for, and I I do appreciate a lot the effort that was put in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they did fall short, particularly on presenting Saeed as the lone compassionate face in a sea of sort of badness and one other speaking role. Yeah. Other than Nadia. Because on the one hand, it gives you, like, a face to put to, like, a population, which a lot of people struggle with. But on the other hand, it also backs up preconceived notions of, like, yeah. the way people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I'm. I don't really feel qualified to go much much further on that one, but to say that part about it. Yeah, I mean the level like the of attention to detail that they did with this episode is basically as far as like we can get in terms of knowledge base without yeah. like, yeah, or as far as we should speak. Yeah, you know. I feel like all of the education that I have on this topic is probably from Lost from this TV show, so. Yeah. It's just as an interesting side note, I think there is a value to what they did, and I think it's good to point out what yeah. they did well, and then at the same point say, and here's what they did not do well, here's mm-hmm. what in retrospect could have been better, or simply was not good at all. So I. I or just like didn't you age said, well. Boosting a little on what you said about call out culture, um, there is. I think a lot of appreciation in looking at something like this with the nuance of saying, because mm-hmm. I, especially I think for people who want to defend the show, there is an urge to be like, no, 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 they tried. It's fine. It's fine. They tried. They tried. Yeah. Right. So, and, and I, I do want to say that if any Muslim listeners or Iraqi listeners would like to like, particularly I'd love to hear feedback and I, I think I actually speak for Brittany and Robin there, too. I feel comfortable with that. Please, uh, particularly, it would be really interesting to hear from the perspective of a Muslim viewer what what this is like, what it was like if you watched at the time. So. 100%. If you're comfortable with it, we'd love to have you as a guest. And come yes, on for please. a Saeed episode yeah. and, and share your perspective. We would yes, love that. Yes, I'm, I'm very sorry that all I can bring here is I'm a Catholic white girl. So <laughs> And of course, no one is obliged to, like, you know, come on yeah. and, like, explain to white girls, like, how this happens. It's more about, like, you know, how do you interpret it? Like, yeah. what are, what's your perspective? You yes, know? please. Uh, so we have Saeed. <laughs> yes, Saeed. All right. Um, I felt like I wanted... Saeed. Of course, of course. There. Uh, he is... Strangely long fingernails, I feel like. I don't know. It's only been 12 days. <laughs> I don't know. I notice this notice every time. I, I can actually say I, 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 I have no... I don't know what his fingernails look like. I did not... I really I don't have a comment on that. Listen, did he have a good man? You guys know me and nails, though. I. <laughs> were they well-groomed or were they dirty? 
Um, they're better than Charlie's. <laughs> oh, Charlie's nails. Oh, Charlie's nails. Yeah. So, okay, anyway, he finds this yes. metal cable in the sand, and he follows it inland, and then he finds a tripwire. One of my favorite shots, especially of this episode, is when there's they have the tripwire and folks, and they rack focus when Saeed comes down. Yes. And, oh, it's so good. Great, great, great part. Then he steps over it and is caught in a trap anyway. Uh, he gets a stick in his leg, and then once it's nighttime, he's, like, praying, trying to get down and then he gets cut down and he passes out so that's a bad day overall <laughs> yeah like mm, two out of ten <laughs> maybe his less. time on the island has just not been great no i mean it's not been great for anybody but <laughs> yeah i think on the scale of rash v rousseau yeah he's like wakes up and he's in this sort of interrogation room type place where is alex is repeated in at least six languages so that's oh pretty my. chill that Rousseau was like, let's make sure that I know what this means in all of the languages, just in case. Well, she didn't have totally anything not. else to do. Yeah, true. Um, and Saeed's like, girl, I don't know. And he gets, like, <laughs> electrocuted, tortured, which is a parallel to last episode. Do you think that, just like Sawyer's like, yes, please hurt me, I deserve it, that Saeed is probably in this moment thinking, yes, please hurt me, I deserve it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean... I think the paralleling is so on the nose as to be like, I think we're absolutely meant to think that there's a part of Saeed that feels as though this is a rightful punishment. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why he took on the the whole quest in the first place and went out and struck out on his own, you know? And it's, this is like... I don't know what it is where I keep coming in on episodes where things are like the hundred, but this <laughs> right? is so, this is very the aftermath of torturing Lincoln. This is what, how far are you willing to go to, you know, what, I think Said in a lot of ways, kind of his whole character arc, especially with the background as a torturer really does ask the question about what can you do and be forgiven? What can you do and make up for? What can you mm-hmm. do and and sort of overcome and redeem yourself from? And right. I think that given that Rousseau even uses some of the same techniques that we see in the torture flashbacks. Yeah. Like, it can't be accidental. This is... No. This is, like, some purgatory-level repeating of of mistakes or or things you, you acted out upon others being acted out upon you now. So Saeed is like, okay, here's all the things that I know. I don't know about that one thing, but I do know multiple things, and these are them. <laughs> Uh, and then she starts to speak French, and what she's saying is, if anybody hears me, please come to our rescue. It killed them. It killed them all. So she's basically just repeating what she said in the transmission, and then she was like, 16 years, yikes! It's been a while. I need to go, like, have a facial or something. I don't know. Um, Girlfriend needs a spa vacation. Either way, she does not think it's a coincidence that... That he found her and she does not trust him at all. I mean, I wouldn't trust him if I was alone by myself on an island for 16 years and yeah, then suddenly no, a dude appeared. Sure. No. I'd be like, um, either. how'd you get here? Um, sup, man? <laughs> Did you bring shampoo? <laughs> ha, 
That's what I'm really looking for. You got granola bars? <laughs> yeah, I like to think I would like ask for granola bars before I would start <laughs> drugging people. But, yeah, you know. That's just us, though. 16 years changes the person. Yeah. I have to say, I love how Rousseau is essentially exposition as a person. Yeah. Like, she exists in a lot of ways to propel Saeed's journey, to parallel Saeed's journey, yeah. to tell us more about the island, to drop more information. Mm-hmm. But she also, like, you... The acting and the writing is such that you care about her and you're interested in her. Yeah. So mm-hmm. unlike someone popping in to be like, let me tell you about my 16 years spent here on the island, you almost don't notice that she's an exposition bomb until after it's over and you're like, oh. I've learned so much this day. Her entire function in this episode was to come in and just tell us stuff we need to know to move on. Yeah. Exactly. That's very well done. High there's, um. There's an episode of Battlestar Galacta in season four called No Exit, which is probably my yes. least favorite episode of the entire series. <laughs> like, yes, even more than Black Market. <laughs> be- be- because the whole episode is just people standing around spitting out exposition <laughs> and explaining the in- plot of the entire show from someone else's perspective in one episode. And it drives me nuts. Whereas in this episode, you're right, you don't notice it because she is such an interesting and dynamic character and they present it in a way where you're getting this like huge info dump, but you're you're processing it and moving forward with it and feeling her emotions. Whereas in Battlestar, I was just sitting there going, I just spent 43 minutes being talked to. Yeah, it's it's the difference between two people having a fight that reveals world details and one character sitting down at the bar next to the other one and going, howdy, partner, remember yep. how we have this law in this territory? <laughs> Why would I tell you that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Um, but she's going through his backpack, and there's, like, this large book inside, and I'm not really sure what that is. But we learned that her name is Rousseau, and she grabs his photos, and she tells us that her her transmission is being broadcasted somewhere else but someone else controls it and he's like who's that and she's like um your people obs and he's like uh super not that's not really what's going on and i really like this moment where she's like you just read my name i'll read your name too and now we're friends (laughs) i have a fun fact here yeah okay this is the first time the others is used in lost history. Yes, and I was people, gonna say that. People who have not, who aren't already going through a rewatch with us, you're gonna hear those words a lot. Mm-hmm. The others will come up time and time and time again. Welcome to the trip. Others with a capital O. Yes, <laughs> yes. it's the others, capital T, capital O. <laughs> it's their band name. It's really hard being an other. Sometimes. Fun, fun fact. <laughs> That I I believe that I that in Game of Thrones they call the White Walkers the Others in the books, oh. and in the TV show they chose to call them the White Walkers or the Whites because they didn't want to be accused of ripping off Lost. <laughs> I have heard that from friends who claim to be in the know. So I'm well, as they to freaking it's should true. be. But it would make sense. Like at this point, the Others is Lost. You can't yep. yes, take it yes. from Lost. It can't be divorced from that. It's like, um, 
when they changed in the hundred when they changed the uh, book to the show and it used to be the Earthborns and they changed yeah. it to Grounders yeah. and you're like I don't know which one's worse. Yeah. <laughs> Good choice. God. Um, Side shape. I wanted to point out. Who is she? The woman in the photographs. Nadia. Her name is Nadia. But then mm -hmm. later he says she's dead. So that's kind of a little bit of a hint that maybe she's not. I I was going to say, ah. I love how they handle that, especially because I'm, I'm skipping forward a little. Just Rousseau at the very end says, Alex was my child. Yes. So the way mm. she and Saeed kind of parallel each other and Ooh. swing back and forth between. Because yeah. Nadia's fate is Kansas. unknown. Like as far yes. as we yes. know. Once he shoved her out the door, the reason he says he killed her is because he might have. She might have died. He might have just delivered her, but he doesn't know. And Alex, who is apparently a child that is kind of like the cat know in the proverbial about. box, you know, yeah. it, I like how the two of them... <laughs> The two of them swap between tenses and kind of provide a window into their guilt by the way mm -hmm. they talk about the way their choices may or may not have affected those around them. Right. The way Rousseau talks about uh, the husband, Robert, is fascinating in that same way. Mm -hmm. Like, she swings back and forth between tenses and passive voice and active voice. Right. For example, when she says... At first, like, I can't remember if he, he was shot or he died. Mm -hmm. And then we find out later, oh, she shot him. Long but in low. the passive voice, it's still correct. It's right. just yeah. divorcing herself from what actually happened. Yeah. Rousseau finds Saeed's bullet wound and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a soldier. And she's like, cool, tell me more about Nadia. And he's like, um, tell me more about Alex. And she's like, um, don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Hard pass. Yeah. Uh, she's like, did you come looking for me? And he's like, no, I didn't even know she was alive. And, or you were alive. And she's like, why do you keep lying to me? He's like, there were like 40 other survivors and I left them because I'm ashamed. And she's like, oh, you left Nadia? And he's like, no, she wasn't there. She was dead. Like we were just talking about because of him. And that's when she's just like, oh, same. And Can then relate. here's the connection that we yeah. have. And then she's like, I want to show you something. And then, like, walks away. And Saeed's face is like, uh-oh. <laughs> Yikes. But she's like, this is my music box. And it's broken. It was a gift from my love. And he's like, oh, right, 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 Alex. And she's like, can you not, can you stop bringing him up, please? I love the way she, like, turns away from all, like, she just won't even answer. Yeah, like, yeah. not even, just completely changes the subject every single time. She's like, no, Robert! Like, it was a very big comfort to me for my first few years here. And he's like, I'll fix it for you. You just have to free my hands. And suddenly she's just like, oh, I see. Well, it's like, well, why did you bring it up if you didn't want him to fix it, though? Yeah, yeah. true, true. Sheesh, lady. Like, come on, read um, the fine print. And <laughs> here's this interesting part where she goes, who wrote that thing on the back of your photo? Was it you or was it her? Because, I don't, like, that. that's very, very paranoid of her and very interesting. I, I'm going to be a language geek too. I like that she asked that because mm -hmm. depending on who wrote it, it means something very, very different. Yes. If Saeed's saying it to her, it means something different than if she had written that on the back of the photograph for him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like that and because I'm, you know, a language nerd, my favorite example is if you ask someone if they want to come to your cottage in the forest, you might like have some tea. There's probably like a doily or two. And if yeah. you ask them to come to your cabin in the woods, they're going to die. <laughs> yeah. So depending on how something is said and who says it, it can mean the same words take on an entirely different meaning. So I, I liked that she asked that because I think I think she's asking in a way, are you me? Are you yeah. looking for someone who left you or was taken from you? Or did you leave someone? Right. Because I think for her to connect with him, Nadia needs to have either been taken from him or or somehow it was out of his control, whereas if he would write that to a woman he left, then they're not the same people. I like that. And it seems to me like his humanity and, like, life's worth to her all depends on that question. hmm Agreed. So now he's chained to a chair, and he wakes up, and she's like, sorry about that, I had to move you, you understand. And she's like, why are you helping me after all these terrible things I've done to you? Um, and he's like, uh, it doesn't matter. What's, hey, what's your, what's your first name? She's like, uh, Danielle. She's like, she says that she was a part of a science team and Robert was there. And he's like, oh, and Alex. And she's like, please. (laughs) She's like, that's, that word is blacklisted. I muted it ages ago. I'm allowed to say, where is Alex? You're not yeah, that's only okay questions. when I say it. She's like, we were three days from Tahiti, and then our instruments malfunctioned. We survived two months, and when they were when we were coming back from the Black Rock, something about carriers says the others, which is the official thing. But she can hear them, but she hasn't seen they them. Whisper. They whisper. Iconic moment. Yes. Iconic moment. I can see her saying that in my head because I think that they use that in previouslys. That's how yeah, I remember yeah. it. Is it they whisper? Have you seen other people on this island? No. But I hear them. Out there, in the jungle. They whisper. I really like how they set up, and obviously they confirm it at the end of the episode when we see through Saeed's POV shot that yes, there are whispers, but yes. because she's been alone for 16 years and... I, I have to say this is a pretty decent, I mean, you, people go crazy without touch, without human contact. So I, I like that she's telling the God's honest truth, yeah. but because of how she delivers it, it's almost impossible to believe mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And we only believe through Saeed's eyes, truly at the end. Yeah. I like that. I also like that they confirm it in the same episode, because it would have driven me a little bonkers to have to wait four episodes to find out if there are whispers. Yep. And, like, Um, huge shout-out to Rousseau for being Mm -hmm. stranded on an island and, like, not naming a volleyball Wilson and talking to it. (laughs) Keeping at least a tiny bit of sanity. I would have gone full... You know the tea party in Toy Story? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. That Mrs. Nesbitt? I would be having straight up parties with Mrs. Nesbitt. Like just you know sitting there why, in the cave. You know why I think she's okay? Why? It's because she has a goal. 
Yes. Oh, my God. Something to work towards, right? That's so insightful. And, like, she's got that mother, she's got, like, that mom instinct, man. Yeah. Ugh, you're so smart. I've never thought of it that way. (laughs) But she's like, uh, so you think I'm crazy? And he's like, I mean, basically, but I'm not going to say that. (laughs) You've been alone for a really long time. And she's like, well, you're not wrong. (laughs) If the crazy shoe fits. He's fixed her music box. And she's very grateful, and then he's like, hey, so do you want to, like, free me or whatever? And she's like, wait, hold up, what? This is interesting. I, I think I read this on Lostpedia, but there's this really cool moment with the music of the music box where it's like, he's fixed it and she's listening to it, and it's like this kind of surreal moment where she's like, oh my gosh, like, now I have good, like, this good thing in my life, and then suddenly he's like, um, can I go? And she's like, and, that, and then as soon as she goes, go, that's when the music stops. Yeah, it's, okay, it's really, it's a well-done moment. It's, I believe it's supposed to be, like, one of the old-fashioned music boxes where if you only crank it once, it doesn't go for very long. Yeah. So it's supposed to be, like, a natural moment of the crank winding down. Yes. But given the, the music box ends up being kind of a metaphor overall for offering goodness and comfort and kindness even when perhaps it has not been invited by another person's behavior and how if that person is receptive, that kindness can make a difference. I I, I like that they have that natural moment of the music box winding down because where Rousseau is, she's not a healthy lady. Like, no. she's she's no. willing to believe that Saeed is trustworthy and mm-hmm. enough that she wants him with her now. But she's not, like, in a place where leaving her... And this actually kind of reminds me of, like, anxiety, how when you have really bad anxiety, you need to control your whole situation mm-hmm. because then you can manage your anxiety, Un- you know... Uh, unforeseen situations other people who do things you can't make them stop doing those are all you know things that it's why so many people who have anxiety end up agoraphobic because Mm. public is full of things you can't control me so i like i like how russo and the music box like it's realistic the comfort and the kindness saeed showed her was enough to break through yeah. But it didn't heal her. Like, mm-hmm. other people's kindness can't heal you. You need yeah. to heal what's broken in yourself, and other people's kindness can perhaps give you a window or a lead or a comfortable place to do that. Mm-hmm. But I like that because Ru- just because Saeed is like, no, come with us. I fixed your music box. She's like, no. My yeah. music box as a metaphor is still broken. I'm not ready. <laughs> it's a metaphor. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> you wouldn't get it, man. We hear the sound outside, and she's like, oh, it's probably, like, it, it, it would be great if it was just Lady, that's no bears. bear. Like, seriously, no bear has ever made a sound like that in the history of bears ever. He's like, but what if it's the monster? And she says, there's no such thing as monsters. And it's like, <gasps> if that. anyone knows, it'd be her. Yep. So, I don't I know. I love that. But he uses that the screwdriver to get out of the handcuffs. He grabs the maps and his pack and a gun, but he leaves the photos behind. Did he do that on purpose? 
I think yeah, yes. felt a little purposeful. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think it was like metaphorical of like leaving that part of himself behind. Yeah. And I also think it's it, it's sort of a promise because they've bonded over Alex and Nadia at this point. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. regardless of his escape attempt, regardless of the fact that she's kind of cracked still, there's a certain bond there. And I think leaving the photograph of Nadia means it's it's an implicit promise. Because yeah. if he never sees her again, he never sees the picture again. Right. And that's, you know, I think it's it's oh, a concrete way to okay. tell Rousseau that she can still trust him. And also, also I think it, it is a sort of a promise because I think there is, we're meant to believe that Saeed does feel a genuine connection to and a sympathy for this woman, that he feels a mm-hmm. sort of kinship. Right. So it's a way of saying, even though I left when you didn't want me to, I'll be back. I am leaving a piece of my, at this point, almost literally a piece of himself, given how much that photograph means to him. So I think, I think it's a promise and I think it's a reassurance to give her when he can't be there himself. Mm -hmm. That's how I always read it. So he's running through the forest and she hears him and he's threatening her and she's threatening him. And he's like, I don't want to hurt you. And she's like, well, you have already. And you're like, oh, Okay. Ouch. Horse. And then he pulls the trigger and she's like, yeah, Robert didn't notice that that happened either when I shot him. And you're like, um, the plot twist? (laughs) The beat Oh my god. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I love that. And she's like, yeah, yeah, he was sick. She's like, he was already lost. You couldn't, you can't let it spread. What if we were like rescued? And then Saeed is the biggest drama queen ever. I think this is so (laughs) funny. We've got like a wide shot where he just like throws his gun Throws his hands in the air and goes, I'm not sick. (laughs) It's such a ridiculous moment to me. Oh, bless it. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of of, of drama to that moment. She's like, I need you to stay because I need someone to talk to and to touch. And then he's like, what she said in the thing was, you'll find me in the next life, if not in this one. And so he's like, see how this kind of works with us? Please don't kill me. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone, we are all different lives piled on top of each other, and I love that it's not that you can read it not as being literal. You yep. can come see me when you are in your next life, your next personhood, when you're ready to not be crazy jungle ladies skulking around and chaining strange men to your bed. <laughs> like, I mean, or you can keep doing that. You know what? It's up to you. <laughs> Do you, girl? Do you? <laughs> Also that, I I am all for that lifestyle. Safe, sane, consensual. Go for it, people. <laughs> you do she, you. She just gotta get the consensual part down. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, like, that yeah. was the problem here. You didn't yeah. ask Saeed if he wanted to be chained to your bed. Exactly. <laughs> he, like, passes out and she's like, hello? I'm t- I need your permission. <laughs> but, like, then he does this tiny monologue that's like, I know what it's like. Like, I understand. I've been holding on for the past seven years, hoping that Nadia is alive somewhere. But now mm-hmm. I'm pulling away from other people because of this. And you need the help of other people to do that. So you should come with me and we can all be a little group. And she says, watch them, watch them closely, which is interesting. I love that. Not ominous at all. Not More ominous spoiler at all. thoughts. 
Yep. Or spoiler. And that. then it's like, who's Alex? Alex was my child. Okay. Ugh, love and then line. we get him running through the jungle with the whispers. Yes. All right, so now it's time for flashbacks. Okay. And like Flashback. we said before, uh, we are not super, super educated on this topic. So if at any point you feel that we have made uh, a false claim or something, go ahead or and left yell something us. out. We'd love to, or yeah, bring it up next time and uh, talk about it for sure. Yes. And we will immediately say yes. sorry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the first thing we have is that Saeed is just beating up this prisoner guy, and they're like, we already know the truth. You need to admit it. Your friends have already implicated you. You have to confess. And hopefully we only have to take your hands instead of your life. And then the dude throws up. And it's actually kind of a really, like, you know, it's terrible, but it's kind of a badass moment because he's, like, looking in the guy's face, and then he just pulls his face away, and he just throws up, and you're like, is this cool or is this terrifying? Or is it gross? <laughs> or is it gross? Or maybe a little bit of all of those. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, this isn't a lost problem. This is an American TV problem. But we yeah. have this habit of shooting terrible violence. Like, it's super cool. Yeah. It is, yeah, like, sure. in, it is shot like a badass moment. And then you think about it and you're like, no. You're like, why do I feel this way? A human being's being tortured. This is bad. I shouldn't root yeah. for yeah. it. So. But Saeed's like, the dude doesn't know. And we have his superior officer slash friend, Omar, here. And Omar's like, hey, you did a good job. Maybe I could get you a promotion. And Saeed's like, that sounds great. Uh, and that's when he sees Nadia. And it's like, it's really cool because, you know, sometimes you get this this description that's like, you're the only two people in the mm -hmm. world. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like love at first sight, but like, again, because they knew each other from a long time ago. And now it's coming back. Because like, everything fades out and it's like, just about them. And it's kind of sweet. Agreed. It is sweet. So her full name is Noor Abed Jazim. And here's the thing is that like he knew that it was going to be her before he walked in that room. So he had to like psych himself up to like go in there and talk to her, right? Like it wasn't like he was just like, oh, surprise, it's the person. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I think, you I know? think, no, it took him I a minute. I think we're supposed to think that they haven't seen each other in so long that he recognized her in that way okay. where like, you do with childhood friends and then went no 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 can't be her no 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 could just yeah. go in do it oh thing. i see he had a whole internal conversation with himself yeah. in that moment see now i'm now yeah. i'm having this this thought where it's like and i don't think this is true because i don't think this is something that saeed would would mm -hmm. do but if he came in and saw oh that's the girl who used to bully me now i get to bully her like that's a thing no. that's a thought that he could have mm -hmm. had but i don't yeah. think he did because he's saeed if he was a lesser man, I agree. maybe. Yeah, if he was if he was more Sawyery than he is. True. Also Sawyer dress. That is, yeah. I have to say that is one of the saddest things about Saeed and and not getting in detail about stuff later is like for a dude who has to do so much violence on this show, we never see him enjoy it. We see other characters yeah, no, he really hates get it. into it, even just like punching other characters. Even when True. Yeah. when Saeed is fighting, there's no there's no enjoyment, there's no feeling of, like, even when he's really angry, it's, the fighting itself really kind of disgusts him. And I, I like that about him. There's, there's a degree of, like, cold remove because he doesn't like to do it. Well, I think that actually, like, goes back to what you were talking about, about, like, sensationalization mm -hmm. of violence in media is people who haven't seen real violence really tend to, like, lean yeah. into it and think of it as an outlet 
Whereas people who have know that it's it's not it's a monstro like a horrible yeah, thing. Yeah. You know? Like it's not there's nothing good that comes from I, it. Uh, I, I, my family is military on both sides, and there's sort of an aphorism of, pardon my French, I don't know if you guys are going to have to bleep this, but how you can tell if somebody's seen some shit, do they talk about it? Uh-huh. Because if they talk about yeah, it, right. if they brag about it, no. If they don't talk about yeah. it, it was real bad. Yeah. Yep. A thought that I have is, like, maybe, I think that when she sees Saeed... I think maybe she's doing a little bit of manipulating, at least at first, being like, you know me, no one calls me that, am I so different from the little girl? Think of, you're hurting a little girl, you're hurting a little girl that you knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very calculated. I think, I think that by the end it ends up being like, because I love you, please don't do this, but at the beginning it was just like, here's how I get out of something that's gonna hurt I me. think it's also like, to me, there was a certain level of it read to me as almost like, she was angry with him for not being the little boy she remembered, because the little boy mm-hmm. she remembered could never do this to other people, so it's this... It felt to me like less manipulation and more needling. Because I don't think she's trying to get Mm. out of it. Even when she says, please don't hurt me, she's resigned to being hurt. Yeah, she's trying to remind him of who he used to be. Like, Mm. there must be a level of betrayal there. And I think she's trying to hurt him back. It's this level of like, don't you remember our connection? Don't you remember who we were? You're not torturing some faceless person. You're not torturing an enemy. You're torturing a little girl who's, you know, who knew your parents and who used to push you in the mud because she liked you. And I... I, Yeah, and just like you were saying before, as you were saying, hurting him Mm -hmm. back, it's like, that's exactly how it was before, is that she would hurt him and he would hurt her back by ignoring Mm -hmm. her. You don't remember me? Am I so different from the little girl in the schoolyard who used to push you in the mud? Nadia. And your mother would tell my mother, why must you pick on little Saeed? And I'd answer, because he ignores me. It goes back to the depersonalization versus kindness and humanization that like is just running mm-hmm. all the way through this episode. He's like, I didn't think you would really care about it since your family was so wealthy and you were so charming. And she's like, that doesn't really matter to kids. And also clearly it hasn't really helped her in the future. But Saeed has always been an old soul and he didn't know that she liked him. Bless his heart. (laughs) And she's like, I know what's gonna happen here. Like, these are all of the terrible things that have happened to me before. And you know the people who did that to me. Like, these are the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. And he's like, listen, if you're innocent, that sucks and I'm really sorry, but please just work with me so I don't have to do that to you. And she's like, I will say nothing. And he's like, well, then I have to hurt her and she hurt you. And she's like, I know. And it's sad as heck. Don't like it. It's, no, it's, no. Man, it's, I, I, it goes back to the hundred. I feel like this is the episode where definitely you can see that the hundred writing room grabbed some DNA from the first season in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, stop, but like, this is the moment between Kane and Abby where Kane has to like, oh, hardcore. Shop hardcore, Abby. yeah. Like, <laughs> It literally is. And it's like, I don't want to do this to you, but I have to. And it's like, no, you don't. There's always other choices. You just got to figure out what the third option is. Yes. So for the next flashback, he's brought her bread. 
And she's like, should we talk? Do you want to talk books? Or do you want to talk about the weather? I have not really familiar with either of those at this point, so I'm not going to be able to talk. She's so sassy. I love I her. I like Nadia. Yeah, me too. He's like, we have two suspects. Literally, all you have to do is say, is like, nod your head. And if you cooperate, maybe I can help you go free. And then I won't have to hurt you. And then they're like holding hands a little bit. And she's like, but then I won't get to see you anymore. And he's like, this is, he's like, um, what are, like, what, you gotta weigh your problems here. (laughs) He's like, you should probably just go if you can. And then she talks about how he's pretending to be someone he's not. Well, I mean, like, the Saeed who's in the guard is, like, it's a completely separate person from Saeed. It's, it's like, it's almost like a mask he wears, like, Sawyer wears, like, Sawyer, you know? In a previous life, he was the little boy who used to, uh, Mm mm-hmm. Who used to get shoved in the mud. And this is a different yep. man. Yeah. And then as soon as you get on the island, you're another different man. Yep. Yep. We are all Russian nesting dolls of people. <laughs> um, Omar's like, you need to execute her because it'll send a message to to everyone else. She's been here for more than a month. She hasn't told her any told us anything. So we should shoot her. And if you don't, then I will. And... Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, sure. There's this really sad moment where he opens the door and she says, what did you bring me? Like, she's so happy. Oh. And then he's like, I brought you this execution hood. <laughs> Sorry. I brought you a daring escape. She's like, you don't know it. And it's sad. But the other thing that I think is kind of weird in this moment is that she says, are you going to hurt me, Saeed? And... Like, you can see other guards in the background. So, like, are these other guards like, bro, do you know her? I What What? I think they're doing, especially since later, is he's supposed to be leading her to execution. Yeah, they're not asking questions. Like, remember when he tells them to get out later? He's like, Mm -hmm. I'll take it from here. So I think those are supposed to be, like, the guys who are his backup grunts to just help march her along and keep her in line. Yeah, they outrank him. Or he outranks yeah. them, like, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But I also think, like, at no point would those guys be like, well, those two knew each other, so, like, the fact that she got away is kind of <laughs> weird. Oh, yeah, no, I Or are I they just not we're... smart enough to put that together? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think we're just supposed to believe that no one, absolutely no one knew that they had. Yeah, oh, I'm just thinking way too far into this, 100%. Yes. Well, I mean... Kate is a can of peaches, so... Yeah. I can't <laughs> That's be true. mad. That's true. Um, but basically, he's like, yeah, I'll take care of it, and everyone goes, and he's like, okay, so there's a supply truck, so go and run in there, hide away, and she's like, please come with me, and he's like, literally, that's desertion. I can't do that. They would kill my family. There, there's a lot of camera movement in this scene, which, this, which is how you know it's a very, um, it's very, uh, urgent Mm-hmm. And and scary stuff is going on. Um, then they have this lovely moment. I don't have your courage. You have more than you know. And you're like, I ship it. <laughs> I love the. I love you guys. You're doing do. such a good job. Totally do. Yep. And then she writes on the photos, and like th- he just like has them in his pocket. I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess at nice. the point of like where you're shot. At, I, you, I guess I can believe that in the moment they're not searching you if it looks like you were shot too, and then you can oh, hide yeah. them later. 
Yeah, so, okay, yeah. If he wasn't shot, I would call BS. But since he was shot, I will accept that he got hustled off to the medical wing and nobody was trying to, like, search him at first. Yeah. Saeed has to shoot his friend Omar and then shoots himself in the leg and then she runs. And it's like, wow, you chose the leg and not the foot, huh? <laughs> probably smarter. That's actually better. Yeah, probably way smarter. Yeah. Shooting yourself in the foot is a terrible idea because of, think of all the little tendons. Yeah. I was like, Sarah, have you shot yourself in the foot before? No, like, but tell us this just story. for medical <laughs> stuff, it's like for re- rehabbing your foot is terrible. It's definitely yeah. better to get shot in the leg than shot in the foot. Like, I don't think either yeah. one is probably an optimal life choice. Like, try not to get shot. Like, if you can avoid a bullet, maybe do it. But if you yeah. gotta get shot, get shot yeah, in the leg and not the foot. That's yeah, okay. my professional technical advice as a writer. You know, I was just trying to drag Saeed and Smarty Pants McGee <laughs> had to come in with her <laughs> medical knowledge. <laughs> So now it's time for our favorite line awards. So my favorite line award this episode goes to uh, Boone and Shannon for... You're never going to believe this. You finally learned how to tie your own shoes. Funny. (laughs) (laughs) And I have an honorable mention uh, from Sawyer, which is... Doctor playing golf. Whew, boy, howdy. Now I've heard everything. What's next? Cop eating a donut. (laughs) (laughs) My child... I love him. And mine is... Rich idiots fly to tropical islands all the time to whack balls around. From Hurley. All right. I have one, and I'm adding a second one in a curveball that you two don't know is the honorable mentions. I didn't know we could do that. My favorite one is... (laughs) Polar bears. You didn't hear about the polar bear? From Charlie. From Charlie? Yeah. And then my honorable mention is from Saeed, and it's... The only way of this... Place is with their help. Aww. I have spoiler thoughts about that, but I won't say them. Okay. All right. right. We're um, almost to that. Our, uh, one of our other segments is light and dark. So the light and darks that I sort of am pulling basically off the top of my head a while ago was cave and golf course and like cave and outside and beach, which is what we like to talk about lately, mm-hmm. um, as well as the difference between the golf course and the place where Rousseau is hiding Saeed and Nadia's cell is always really mm-hmm. dark too. Yeah. Thoughts? Agreed. All right. I, I, my thought is good catch, I, Robin. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be me and also add that uh, the whole episode is kind of thematic pull between light and dark. Even the Hurley mm. plot is a push and pull between sort of Jack and company's impulse to be like, no, a golf course is right. dumb and stupid. We need to be like building water structures. So, and Hurley being like, or we can't build water structures as effectively if you're all being pessimist jerks 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. yeah. It's fatalism versus optimism. Yeah. So I like that light and dark's rocking on both the visual and the thematic levels in this episode love that now we also have another segment called man of science man of faith which sarah actually kind of made into existence yes yes she did if we take a look at man of science where are man of men of science in this episode well saeed and nadia he's in the flashbacks he's the man of science she's the man of faith yep and i would even say that in saeed and rousseau he's the man of science and rousseau's the man of faith yeah i agree Jack and Michael on science, Hurley and Charlie and Faith. Mm-hmm. Locke almost always man of faith. You've man got faith. Sawyer and Kate too. 
he's the man of science yeah. who's saying, everyone hates me, I can tell by how they act. <laughs> On account of they hate me. And she's the one like, you should just try. Yeah, and then he comes out and does a man mm-hmm. of faith sort of action at the end as, yeah. A, yeah. as a peacemaking sort of thing. Yeah. Kate's like, I have faith that you cannot always, 100% of a time, be a dick. <laughs> now we would have, talking about music and literature, but we didn't really have that in that ep- in this episode. Um, the next one is, did they do the thing? <laughs> uh, they did not. <laughs> they did not do the thing. They uh, did not do the thing. This episode. Um, I have a question about this next one, which is, how many episodes has it been since the last knockout? Would you guys say Rousseau sedating Saeed counts oh, yeah. as a knockout? Because yeah. she did it in the right, woods. So, uh, she knocked him out in the forest. It, yeah. Or in the jungle. And then she knocked him out, like, twice while he, she, he was chilling at her pad. So... Oh, you're yeah. right! That's three knockouts in a row. For the same person. Someday he's gonna oh wake God. up in a coma. No, 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 it was Sawyer last episode. He's gonna wake oh, yeah. up in a coma? That's oh, Brittany, you've never seen Buffy, have you? No. It's a really famous Buffy line. Giles is always getting God knocked out. So Cordelia looks at him and goes, you know... You know, someday you're just going to wake up in a coma. <laughs> Which is my favorite line probably ever. I'm so sorry. Oh, that I, I love you, it. Cordelia Chase. Anyway. Now our last segment is called Listener Thoughts. Right, I wish it had a cooler name, but it doesn't. I have always been saying, oh, send us in a clip. But um, just like we were saying before, if you have some thoughts on literally anything, if you think we missed anything, you can totally just email us and I'll read your email out. I have no problem with that. And if you don't, then that's cool, too. We just want to give you the option. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. We discussed all of season four, and we'll be talking about season five next year. And we also covered season one of Riverdale, so go check that out, and we will be covering season two this October. Mm-hmm. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, but we mostly just hang out on Twitter. <laughs> Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. Uh, hosting all of these podcasts where we talk too much costs us a good chunk of money, so if you can contribute in any way, we would love you so, so much. And if you have any ideas for some really great prizes that we could give out on our Patreon, that'd be cool, too. Oh, yeah, I love prizes. What you want. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A, with an underscore at the end. We want to thank Sarah so, so, so much for helping us out on this episode. Thank you guys Yay, for Sarah! having me. Yay! Sarah, what's Rest your Twitter? Oh, my Twitter is Oscar Mike. That is O-S-C-A-R-M-I-K-E-D. It's a military thing to and, ask. And if um, you ever have any questions about any type of politics, <laughs> such as me, ah. who is in Canada and sometimes can't keep up, I just go, Sarah, what does this mean? Yeah, yeah this is me, true. So. I, I write about politics that I'm moving towards working there so if you're looking for simply tv talk probably walk on by but if you're looking for politics and tv talk and i'm TV. your girl my, those are my two favorite all right <laughs> uh next episode will be episode 110 raised by another it's a claire episode and the guest will be my little sister kelly yay, yay. yeah okay love you bye okay love you bye
Say it. Love you, bye. I didn't know I was supposed to too. I was trying not to step on y'all's lines. Like, I talk too much. I don't want this to be the Sarah takes over the podcast hour. Jesus. Love Why you, bye. Okay, love you, you bye. You bye. I was legit like, oh shit, Sarah, don't do their outro with them. This isn't your podcast. Sit down. No, I love it. We made we made such an in Louisa Dolivera. Oh, with us. okay. Well then, yeah, that's true. I'm we in did. rarefied company. All right, should we talk? Like, and Joe, spoilers? we made Joe do it. Yeah, too. Joe did it with us too. <laughs> Here's where we would do our hold music, but I want to retire that. All right. So I'm not sure what we should do. I feel like we should probably just be like, here is the part where we're giving you time to leave. I feel like you need a song like spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. I don't know. All right, Robert, well, that's it song. now. That's oh it. Oh, my God. But we have to insert it into every single one, and it's just that one clip of it's Sarah. just going to be Sarah? Oh, God. Please don't. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. We did it. Cool. So, welcome to the spoiler section. Bro. Is anyone, be- like, just dying to say yes. something? Yes. See you in another <laughs> life, brother. <laughs> okay, see. As always. I am obsessed with the way this episode, like, spoils everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, that was why I picked the quote. Because the only way off this place literally is with everybody else's help. They're there to yeah, learn yeah. and to grow and to become the kind of people who can move on. So I'm watching this episode and I'm just like losing my mind laughing because once you've seen it, everything everyone says. I mean, even when Rousseau's talking about they were sick, like, I like the yeah. way that the sickness, it keeps being presented through, like, the various inoculations that are spoken about as if it's, like, an actual sickness or, like, a yeah. literal virus when instead it's the island either makes you who you are going to be or it destroys you. I mean, the island as a crucible is fantastic and I love it. And I love that this episode is just, like, so just balls out spoilery, but until you know what's going on, it's just a lot of mumbo jumbo. The whole thing is just a literal metaphor. Oh my god, right? What I always thought that the sickness was, was just, like, exactly what happened to Richard and Abaterno, which is, like, MIB got to you first and told you to do some stuff. Oh no, that's what I mean, is I think the sickness is literally, like, it's a moral sickness. The oh, island yes, either, yes. It, it's, it's a crucible. Corrupts you. It either melts you down and turns you into the purest form of yourself, into the, 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 the final product, or you're just melted away and you're destroyed. And I love that the whispers are actually the destroyed people. Like, we even see yeah. what happens to the yeah. people who can't let the island make them better. I love this show. God, it's so Catholic. (laughs) Like, I don't think you guys understand how Catholic Catholic. this show is. It's so Catholic. The only numbers that I could really find in this episode, and, you know, I'm just not as crazy about finding the numbers as Jess was last episode, which was not I didn't even look for the numbers. Um, She was really good at it. It was basically just, it's been 16 years, which is something that we were talking about before. So, did you guys find any other numbers? 
I really wasn't no. paying attention to those. Honestly, like no. I no, I was not. Either. I'm one of those lost people who who has a lot of thoughts about like oh. I have a Maya Angelou quote up here that I forgot earlier about Hurley. Like, surviving is important. Thriving is elegant. So I, uh-huh. I'm more into, like, I'm not paying attention to where the numbers are, to be quite frank. If anyone else caught some numbers, <laughs> Jess, go ahead and tweet Please. us or email us, and we'll put it in uh, in next episode, and we'll be like, oh, yeah. we missed this one. But some of the other spoilers that I saw was Saeed sees the metal cable. Mm-hmm. And that mystery isn't actually solved until the end of season three. Yeah. Uh, it ends up being oh, that's connected right. to the looking glass. Oh, but we don't talk about the looking glass. <laughs> yeah, just because it's really sad. Yeah, let's let's not. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> then we have uh, some thoughts on Sullivan. So I was just on Sullivan's uh, Lostpedia page, mm-hmm. and some really interesting stuff on here is that his name is on, on the lighthouse wheel slash on the cave wall as a potential candidate. Oh, cool. It is? Apparently, yeah. And uh, and the number, like, you know how everyone has a number, yeah. right? Like, that's the whole yeah. thing. Uh, he, he's number one. <laughs> oh, my God. So, can you imagine Jacob, like, making, that's sitting there with, like, fun. the pen in his mouth, making his list and being like, that guy's my first choice. Oh! On spoilers, I was gonna say, I like... Our second indication that the island just breaks crap. Because we already know that the black box wasn't working on the plane. And that for some reason Mm -hmm. they were flying in the wrong direction. And now we know that this group that was just outside of uh, Tahiti, she said, right? Not Fiji? I'm forgetting. It's one of the two. I thought it was Fiji. Is it Fiji? Okay, I couldn't remember which one. Fiji, I don't know. Fiji is the Oceanic Flight A-15 Rousseau uh, says they were out of feed, feed, or Tahiti, okay. sorry. Okay, I thought it was Tahiti. Okay, good. And, but we get the indication that their boat's navigation system went entirely haywire and something kind of dragged them towards the island. So I really like that we get the indication early on that there's a literal magnetic something going on here that just breaks crap. And the island is kind of a dick. Yeah. So Ethan, Ethan, oh Ethan! my goodness, iconic, Ethan is beautiful, pure, innocent. Yeah, oh, does Ethan. nothing wrong at all. My poor Unproblematic fave. Yeah. My favorite thing about Ethan is that he, and maybe he doesn't actually like hold this record, but he just does in my head. Is he's the one who just keeps coming back. <laughs> like he's the one you just see over and over and over again, all over the place. No, he really after is. he's already died. He really is. I don't know if he he like gets the award for that if he holds that record, but I always think of it like that. It's got to be him or like Jack's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. By the way, I just want to say while we're talking about yeah. Lost, and I mentioned Catholicism, Christian Shepherd. I'm sorry, yeah. but naming on this Christian, show, Christian <laughs> his name is literally Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> and then Jack Shepherd. Is essentially, like, it's another one because it's, the shepherd is is essentially saying Christ if you're looking at, you know, Christian mythology. So if his name is Jack Shepherd, Jack Christ, JC, he's a martyr figure and they literally named him Jesus. Oh my god. I love this show. Like, I love the naming, but my favorite will always be Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus Jr. <laughs> Jesus. 
I never thought about that. I just, I hate this so much. I'm a Christian shepherd. (laughs) I cannot believe at any point I was like, yeah, Lost isn't about religion. Pop for you, dumbass. (laughs) Oh, God. Jesus, Jesus. I love Jesus. But what's nice is that it's so, so religious, but also, like, as a person who's not religious at all, it's like, you can still enjoy it because it's also about so many other things. It's also, And some like, of it just goes right over your Jesus head. speaking as a Catholic, it's it's less about the Catholic religion than the experience of being a Catholic, which yeah. the Catholic... Now this is something I can speak on with a little authority. We're obsessed with guilt. Like, guilt is so much of the Catholic perspective. Jesus died for your sins. He put himself on that cross for you. You're gonna stare at him on that cross. Like... So there's definitely this feeling of, like, redemption, atonement, sin is so... If you took away the smoke monsters and you took away, you know, the trappings of the mystery in the island, you essentially have a catechism lesson, which is that we all need each other in the community of God and we cannot become better without atoning for the things we have done before and doing good works in the future. Like, it's so Catholic, you guys. That super went over my head the first time I watched that (laughs) slash every other time. It's good, though, because it's not... I mean, speaking as somebody who does appreciate Catholic themes just because they're what I know and what I often write... Yeah. I don't like it when they get super explicit because if I wanted to read one of those romance novels about Jesus, I would go read a romance novel about Jesus. Wait, what? The Others is a thing. Alex. Yeah. We know that Alex is a she and that I she's love Alex. Thing. She exists and she's wonderful. Um, and she deserved better. We know she that did. Nadia isn't actually dead and we know that the reason why he's even flying from Australia to LA is to go and see her. Yep. We know that Michael is an artist, and he drew a lot while Walt was, like, a baby and stuff, and used to send him cards and stuff. And it was, like, his dream, too. Hurley says rich idiots when Hurley is really rich. (laughs) Hurley is the rich idiot. Uh, Rousseau is talking about their instruments malfunctioning, and we know that that's a thing that happens uh, near the island. She talks about the Black Rock. We know the Black Rock is a big ship thing. Um, Awesome. What's weird is that... Um, she's talking about the others, and she says, I hear them, but she doesn't see them, apparently, although I know that she did, because no, we have yeah, a what's flashback. Up with that? We Didn't have a flashback we... of Ben and Ethan coming to take Alex from her. Did she see them when they took Alex, yes. though? Okay, yes. so that might be retcon, but it would, what yeah. it could also be is she saw them that one time, and, and then, then all again. she's right. ever heard is yeah. whispers since, so she assumes Saeed is with them, and then they're just right. kind of... Actually, you know what? That makes sense because if she's not talking about Alex, like she refuses to say anything but Alex was my child and that's at the very end, Uh she would have to conceal that she had ever seen them because then she would have to be like, yeah, I saw them while they were taking my baby, who is Alex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Actually, I don't think that's a retcon. I think that she's lying now that I think about it that way. I can't believe she's never set her eyes on the beautiful face of Juliet. That's so sad. Right? I'm trying to think if she ever actually does. I think... That's, like, a huge loss. Dude, does her Is Wait, 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 hold up. Did, did, was Juliet at the, uh, at the radio tower? Oh. At the end of season three? Super can't remember. Cannot remember. Okay, well, if she was, then so was Rousseau. So we're all good. 
Okay. I, that's where right. I'm at now, so I'll I will update you with this information once Thank I hit that episode. Thank you so much. That's all I got. That's all I got too. Before, all right. Should we do that's our outro, and we'll actually have made the time that we meant to make? Let's do it. I'm so proud of us. Thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. This was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. I have the best time with the two of you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Next time we'll see you is for one of your very, very, very favorite episodes, The Other 40, 48, I think. 48 yes! Days. The Other 48 <gasps> Days. Such a good one. I'm so ready. Yes. I'm here with my Anna Lucia Defender Squad. It's going to happen. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I want to join. Are we getting jackets? Yes. Yes. I am cool. literally yes. so excited to maybe like Anna Lucia this time. I yes. still have not liked Anna, Anna Lucia yet, I... so... I will hardcore defend her. Like, I am, like, pike levels of Anna Lucia defense squad. So. Like, I want to. I really want to. So I I would love for you to talk to me about why I should. Like, I will pitch you it. Because there is a a pitch needed. The show sometimes doesn't do great by her. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. (laughs) And you can follow me at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Sarah, you want to remind us what your Twitter is? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Oscar Mike, which is O-S-C-A-R-M-I-K-E-D. No space, no underscores. Yay! We did it! Uh, you can follow at the Aficionados. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow at the Aficionados on we Twitter, did it, Robin. No, we did. Facebook, and Tumblr if you want to talk to us. And you can email us at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts that you'd like us to address on the pod. All right. And also, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. So if you have anything to spare, we would love that. But we'll love you Give anyway. them so money. helpful. Please help us. For Give the them love money. God, help us. Many please. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. See you in another life, brother. See you in another life, brother. Can I play?